Amen. Y'all let these people know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. The blessings on y'all. Hey, you know, I, I love my parents, right? You, you love your parents too, yes? And uh, could, you, could you imagine, though, like, you know, I've tried to imagine, what if my parents actually chose the person I was going to have to marry? Are, are y'all listening? Do you, do you feel like that's a good idea? Let me just get a little vote on that. You think that'd be a good idea your parents get you a wife or your parents get you a husband? Just slip your hand up if you like that idea. God bless you, right? She's like, I'm sick of this one. Give me a new one, all right? That was her uh, story there. Well, I mean, you know, that's how it was whenever Joseph and Mary were actually engaged. That, that was the Hebrew tradition. In fact, uh, what would happen is that the parents would all meet together and they would decide, you know, we want this husband or this, our son rather, not this husband, this son to actually be married to your daughter. And then they would exchange a payment. Uh, oftentimes they give some money. Sometimes they give livestock. So they'd look at that, you know, woman over there, and they'd be like, she's worth at least three sheep, amen? And so they give, and that was a dowry payment. And then as soon as they made agreement for that marriage, then uh, the soon-to-be husband would actually go back and live in his father's house, preparing a place for his new bride. And the bride would go and live with her parents for an entire year, and that year was called a betrothal period. Now, that betrothal period was pretty important, all right? The husband and the wife... Uh, could not live together in the same place until they were officially married. And not only this, they, they could not have any sexual relations whatsoever until they were married. And so at the end of that one full year, uh, which is the typical time frame, uh, the husband uh, would actually go and get the bride. And after he got the bride, he would bring her all the way back to his house. There'd be this huge processional, massive party, everybody extremely excited. Uh, this was the time that they would then go in the house, consummate the marriage, and begin their life together. So that, that's kind of similar to how we are today. We have an engagement period. And, you know, I knew the very first time I met Krista that she was the one for me. And uh, she knew that I was the one for her. And, I mean, I, I treated her right. Our first date, we went to that place where they cook in front of you, Waffle House. And so we hung out there. And uh, we were set, man. We, we, were, we were married. We were engaged, you know. And I think our engagement was uh, a, a little while I mean, it wasn't a full year, but we were engaged, and man, we've been married for 14 years, all right? And uh, are y'all really cheering for me? God bless all of you. I got married, and he, do what? So cheering for her, Krista said, all right. <laughs> Women should not speak. No, I'm just kidding. So that was a joke. I apologize. But it's pretty interesting. Now, that's an engagement period. Now, here, here's the deal. Uh, could you imagine if, if you were engaged and then all of a sudden, as the soon-to-be husband, you found out that your wife was pregnant? You knew beyond any shadow of a doubt, was it yours? How would you feel? I mean, what emotions would rise up on the inside of you? I think there would be this sense of great betrayal. There would be this sense that uh, you were angry, uh, maybe heartbroken. You would maybe even have this desire to get even. It's like, I'm going to take care of business here. Well, you know, that's the exact situation that Joseph found himself in. He was betrothed to Mary. And all of a sudden, he finds out she's pregnant. How does he respond? Let's look together. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1 this morning. Matthew, chapter 1. Uh, beginning in verse 18. Stand with me in honor of God's word. 
The Bible says the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she'll bear a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And that prophet, by the way, was Isaiah, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's bow together. Father, we uh, open up our scriptures today. and uh, Lord, this is not a time for a sermonette. And this is a time for a, for a message. And God, we ask that you would speak a message to our hearts and that you would challenge us this Christmas season to learn from the life of Joseph two marvelous truths. And we'll give you glory for it. God, we pray for those who are maybe visiting, but they're outside of the faith. They're far from you. And God, um, I, I can't redeem them personally. But God, I pray that the Spirit of God... Uh, would work upon their hearts and show them the reality of who Jesus is. And by faith, they would be changed this morning. And God, I pray for those of us who are your disciples. And God, help us this morning to learn how to reflect the glory and the majesty of your Son through our lives as we seek to live for you this season. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said... Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So right there in verse 18, we see Joseph is faced with the reality that his wife is pregnant. Now, Matthew, knowing the full scope of the story, goes ahead and lets us in on the fact that she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, just very quickly, uh, the Virgin Mary was with child by the Spirit. This was a miracle of Almighty God, and it cannot adequately be explained. In fact, it was John MacArthur who quotes, uh, We could no more fathom such a thing as we can fathom God's creating the universe from nothing, His being one person, or one God rather, in three persons, or His giving an entirely new spiritual nature to those who trust His Son. Jesus' conception by the Holy Spirit is a great mystery. Now, Matthew here underscores the reality that Joseph all of a sudden finds out that his wife is pregnant. He inserts here the fullness of the story that she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, as we look at our text today, what we'll see are a couple of truths from the life of Joseph that I think will really be a source of challenge to you as they were to me. So let me just go ahead and give you the first truth. Uh, Joseph responded to this betrayal with love, to this betrayal with love. Now, very quickly look at me, all right? Uh, you and I know the full scope of the story, especially if we grew up in church. So we know ultimately that Joseph wasn't really betrayed. However, it was from his perception and from his perspective a reality that Mary 
had gone out with another man and now she is pregnant. So from his perspective, he is feeling a sense of betrayal. Uh, That is why the scriptures tell you and die in verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, did y'all see that in verse 19? Because it's pretty awesome. The Bible says Joseph was a righteous man. Now, I bought an eyeball for just a second. This is neat about Joseph. Joseph is written about, let me just ask you guys, where is he written? Old Testament or New Testament? Yeah, New Testament, all right? So Joseph is in the New Testament. However, Joseph is actually an Old Testament saint because the New Covenant has not yet been fulfilled. So the Bible says here that he is a righteous man. Now, how did that happen? How did he become a righteous man? He became a righteous man just in the same way that Abraham did in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So there was a time frame in Joseph's life where he actually trusted in God. He came to know God as creator. He believed the promise that God would send a redeemer to the earth and he trusted God. And as a result of that, by faith, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So he's a righteous man. But notice here the Bible says what he does. All right, he's a righteous man. Then the Bible says he did not want to disgrace her. That word disgrace from the Greek New Testament, check this out. It means to be put to public and open shame. So Joseph, realizing that his wife is pregnant and it's not his, he's like, you know what? I love her and I don't want to put her to public shame. I don't want this to become some scandal. I don't want to put a, you know, black mark upon her name. I don't want to destroy her. And, and I will tell you that he had every right to. Matter of fact, as you study the Old Testament, which Joseph, being a righteous man, he would have known the Old Testament. He would have seen over in the book of Deuteronomy what the Bible says that you are to do with those who are engaged and then all of a sudden get pregnant. Let me just read this to you. Uh, The Bible says in Deuteronomy 22, are y'all listening say yes? This is wild. If there's a girl who is a virgin engaged to a man, all right, that would have been Mary, and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death. The girl, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man because he has violated his neighbor's wife. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. So this is the idea that Joseph ultimately could have disgraced Mary. He could have uh, drugged Mary out into the streets. He could have called all of the community elders together and said she is pregnant with child. It is not mine. The law says that we put her to death. Let's purge ourselves of this great disgrace. But it's amazing here, the Bible says he didn't want to do that. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he planned to send her away secretly. Now that, that idea there literally means that he planned to just uh, separate and divorce Mary. Put her away. The agreement made between the two families broken. The covenant set to the side. He was going to send her away so that she could have the child all on her own. Now, the reason that this is uh, standing out to me as I'm studying the text is because, you know, as I said, Joseph had every right to uh, publicly disgrace her, but he chose not to. What what drove him to be that way? Uh, Well, again, he he was a man of the Old Testament. So, in my mind, perhaps Joseph uh, praying, seeking the Lord, trying to figure out exactly how to respond to this situation. 
Maybe he remembered a proverb, chapter 10 and verse 12, where the Bible says, uh, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. Now, isn't that an amazing, uh, amazing fact? Now, I'm not saying Joseph had that verse. I don't know if he did, but that's an amazing verse, and that's exactly what he sought to do. He was heartbroken, but his love was so great for Mary, he didn't want to disgrace her. So there was a covering of her sin. Now, as I thought about Joseph and thought about you and I, I thought, okay, well, what does this teach us about how we should live? Well, here, here's the deal, and I want you to listen closely. You and I uh, probably have been betrayed before. You may have even been betrayed by somebody in your family, somebody who was close to you. Maybe they said something, maybe they did something that was an act of betrayal. No doubt it was different than Joseph's situation, but can I encourage you to respond like Joseph did? Uh, think about it like this. She, there may be a daughter who feels betrayed by her mother. Uh, there may be a father who feels betrayed by his son. Uh, there may actually be a spouse who feels betrayed by another spouse. Uh, there may be siblings. You, you may be a grown man, but you've got a brother you don't talk to because at some point in time there was a betrayal. Uh, you may be a grown woman and you've got a sister that every time she walks into the room, man, you just kind of bristle up, get a little ill about her. She gets on your nerves. She did something at some time to hurt you. And so now, every time you're around those individuals, you've got this inner, uh, shall I say, rage that you're trying your hardest to put down. So what does Joseph teach us concerning how we should respond to a situation like that? And how many of you know Christmas time often is very difficult because the very ones that you feel betrayed by are the ones you're going to be sitting across the table from this Christmas eating a meal. Joseph teaches you and I that we shouldn't seek to disgrace those people. In other words, I would say like this, hey, can I challenge you? Hatred stirs up strife. Love covers a multitude of sins. So don't spend your entire Christmas season getting all riled up on the inside and continually talking negative about that person in your family who betrayed you many years ago. Don't continue to get along with your spouse and rag out your brother or rag out your sister. Listen, each time you do that, you're only stoking the fire of bitterness in your heart. In fact, consider it like this. If you've got a fire and it's going out, what do you got to do? You got to throw another log on that thing, right? Put a little gasoline. Can I get a witness on that, all right? <laughs> Tried that. Don't work, all right? It works, but not well, especially in your house. But anyway, so if you're... Here, you're throwing that log up. Now, if you have this uh, bitterness or this anger or this resentment in your life, and then you get around and you start talking negatively about that person every time you see them. Did you hear what she said? Can you believe that they acted like this? Did you see what they gave? Can you believe how they... If you continue to do that, all you're doing is stoking a fire in your own heart, and bitterness is going to drown out any joy that you could have experienced this season. Joseph, man, he, he just chose to... It's like, I'm going to respond to this betrayal. Send her away secretly. Not going to disgrace her. What a challenge. Now, now, please listen. All right? You can't do this apart from the divine work of the Spirit of God in your heart. 
You can't do it. So if you've got this issue, and I don't know your situation, and I know some of you got very rough situations, and your past with your parents or your sibling, I mean, you've got some, some, some deep-rooted stuff there, some betrayal that occurred that was deep, and, man, you wouldn't even want to talk about publicly because there's such shame with it. But listen, you've got to get on your face before the Lord, and you've got to ask God to wipe away the bitterness from your heart. And listen, then you've got to say, God, I cannot love these persons or these people uh, in and of myself. I I need the Spirit of God to take control of my life, to, to pour out forgiveness in me so that I let those people off the hook. And then, Lord, I need you to love those people through me. Holy Spirit, take absolute control of my life. Matter of fact, you can't muster up the love necessary to give to those who have betrayed you. You can't do it. The Spirit of God, when He takes control of your life, the fruit of the Spirit, first one, anybody know what it is? It starts with the L and ends with the of. It's love. And when the Spirit of God takes control of your life, love begins to overflow. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. All right, y'all with me? Say yes. All right, here's the second principle that I want you to see this morning. And I, I love this from uh, Joseph's life, and that is Joseph teaches you and I to wake up and obey. All right, wake up and obey. So, so let's see where this is found. This is pretty neat. Look at verse 20. Uh, the Bible says, When he had considered all this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, h- here's the idea, okay? Joseph I- is going to sleep now. And as he's considering this, it's almost like he's laying in the bed and he's mulling over exactly what he's going to do about this situation that now is on the front, I mean, it's on his hands now. So he's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He falls asleep and then all of a sudden now he begins to dream and the Bible says uh, an angel shows up and says, Joseph, son of David. Now look at me real quick. Interesting thing about Joseph, his earthly dad, guess what? Not named David. Are y'all listening? So why, in the, why, does, why does the angel show up and say, uh, Joseph, son of David? What is, he's trying to remind Joseph of something. What's he trying to remind him of? Well, here's what he's reminding him. David, Old Testament king, awesome guy, all right? He was given a promise from God. God said, uh, David, through your royal line, I'm going to send a king who is going to reign forever. Y'all listening? So that is a royal line. A royal lineage. And so now Joseph is asleep. He's like, what am I going to do with this Mary? How am I going to put her out where she's not disgraced? How can I send her away secretly? Falls asleep. Angel shows up. Hey, chill out. Joseph, son of David, don't forget what lineage you are in. And he says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then the angel says, uh, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, first of all, is it, this is pretty awesome. He's in a dream. He's like, guess what? You're going to have a kid. You're going to name him Jesus. Joseph is going to have the privilege of actually calling the Christ child Jesus. Jesus, uh, this is an awesome word, by the way. It's a name, right? It's a Hebrew name. Uh, actually, Joshua. And uh, Joshua, you know, what that, you know what that speaks of? It, it speaks of uh, the fact that Joshua now was this 
called by God's servant who led God's people through the Jordan River into Canaan land. But you know what Jesus was going to do? He was sent by God to lead all of those who would believe through the sin of their lives to the promised land of heaven. I said, you call him Jesus. And then I love it. He's going to save people from their sins. And that's what Jesus does, isn't it? Amen. Now, I get all fired up about Christmas because everybody does. They love the the Christ child. They love the manger scene. They love uh, baby Jesus. But Jesus came to die. He came to die for our sins. He had a marked out path from eternity past that was going to be walked upon. He was going to die for you and he was going to die for me so that he could save us from our sins. And somebody's like, save us from our sins? How how is he going to save us? What's the problem with our sin? Well, the Bible says the pavement of our sin is death. So if you hang on to your sin, you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. But Jesus came to save you from your sins. And uh, the Bible says in 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now this uh, promise in verse 23 is actually found in the book of Isaiah. It's pretty interesting. King Ahaz uh, was overseeing Israel at this time, and he was a horrible king, man. He didn't really have much to do with the Lord. And then he finds out all of a sudden there's a couple of other kings who are out to get him and to kill him. And so King Ahaz, you know, kind of in a panic, doesn't know what to do. You would think he would be like, God, I need your help. But he didn't do that at all. In fact, what he does is he goes to the king of Assyria. This is a wicked nation. And says, hey, let's partner here and you protect me. And uh, he bribes the king of Assyria. You know how he does that? This is wild. He goes into the temple of God, gets out the gold that is in the temple, and actually sends it to the king of Assyria. And so Isaiah shows up and he's like, hey, Ahaz, look, God's going to keep us safe. God is going to keep the royal lineage in place. You have nothing to worry about. But he doesn't pay attention to him. And then Isaiah says, here's how it's going to go down. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now look at me real quick. I just wonder, all right, when Joseph had this dream and all this was going down, if he woke up and all of a sudden remembered that verse in the Old Testament. Here's my wife. Conceived in her belly is a child by the Holy Spirit. Yet she is a virgin. I am from the royal lineage. What is God doing? And then the Bible said, y'all still with me? Say yeah. Look at verse 24. Then it's like, and Joseph awoke from his sleep. And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. And he kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So in verse 24, uh, what we learn about Joseph, that he woke up and he obeyed. He didn't question God. He didn't wake up and be like, well, maybe I ate too much before I went to bed. He woke up and he's like, God has spoken, I will obey. That's pretty legit, isn't it? Wake up and obey, wake up and obey. Now, what's neat about Joseph And, uh, man, I just kind of put little circles around it in my Bible. But this happens a couple of other times. Joseph never says anything. He's a a quiet man. Ladies, can I get a witness on that one? (laughs) Y'all ain't right. But, But the Bible says that every time he goes to sleep, he's like having these dreams. And he's waking up and he's obeying. He's waking up and he's obeying. Uh, Look at chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, uh, When they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream 
chapter 2, verse 13. Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search out for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night, and he left for Egypt. So here he is. He goes to sleep again. He gets a word from God. He wakes up. He obeys. Now in chapter 2 and verse uh, 19, the Bible says, When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go into the land for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, he took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Now everybody look at me eyeball to eyeball because this is pretty wild, right? He goes to sleep going, I, I've got to put her away. How can I do this? I've got to put her away. I don't want to disgrace her. But he goes to sleep. God's like, get up and take her as your wife. So he gets up. He's like, I'll marry you. And then he goes to sleep again. It's like, uh, get up and go to Egypt. He gets up. He obeys. He goes to Egypt. Then a third time he goes to sleep. He wakes up, and now he's going back into Israel, into Nazareth. You know, if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, I ain't going back to sleep. Y'all got some Red Bull around here somewhere? Every time he goes to sleep, he's got to get up and do something, doesn't he? But it's amazing. He's not questioning God. He's not confused. He's not going around trying to figure out what everybody else might think. He's just obeying exactly what the Lord told him. Now, everybody look at me eyeball to eyeball. The reality is, uh, you and I need to learn this principle. Wake up and obey. Wake up and obey. Now, I know that uh, the Lord's not telling us to do what he told Joseph to do, all right? So he's not encouraging you to go to Egypt, I don't think, or to Nazareth. But there are some directives that Jesus gives to us that every single one of us ought to wake up and obey each day of our life. In fact, uh, there's three directives that Jesus gives us. And can I tell you, these are three directives I've shared with my children. Matter of fact, going to school, when we riding in the truck, I share with these uh, these kids who are mine. <laughs> I share the three principles. I say, here's the three things you need to remember. And I've told them before, I don't care what you grow up and do. I don't care what job you have. Uh, don't, don't really care. But if you do these three things, you'll be successful in God's eyes. Just do these three things, all right? And so I share them with them. I've shared, you know, whenever we sit down uh, in the evenings, oftentimes we have our devotion at that time. And so I bring those things up. Hey, what are the three things you need to remember? Man, they quote them off real quick, all right? And uh, if you do these three things, you'll be shocked at the difference it makes. Are you all ready for them, yeah? (laughs) I just keep talking about them until you're like, just tell us what they are. So here's what I tell the kids, all right? Three things. Love the Lord. That's pretty easy, right? Where'd you get that? Jesus. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, The greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So I want to love God with everything I've got. And I want to encourage my children as well. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first one. So I tell them, riding the truck, driving to school. I'm like, hey, don't forget today, number one, love God. And then number two, love people. Where did you get that? Jesus. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Look at me eyeball to eyeball. Love Jesus. So, so why, or love others. Why do we do this? Because Jesus tells us to do it. So love your neighbor as yourself. So I tell my kids, I'm like, love God, love people. Here's the third one. Share the gospel. Tell people how to be saved today. Y'all out there say yes. Now, I know this seems crazy because you're like, how old are your kids? Well, one's five, one is seven, one is nine, one is 11. Can we pause for a moment? And celebrate that I knew that. Are y'all with me on that one? Amen, brother. I know. I was like, <laughs> can't believe you actually just clapped. But anyway, so, uh, but here they are. So that's what I want to share with them. Now, 
Here's how I know it's really getting rooted in their heart. All right? So we're driving, and I'm carrying Gavin, who's seven, to basketball practice. He says, Daddy, it's just me and him in the truck. He says, Hey, Daddy. I say, What's that? He says, uh, I don't think my coach knows God. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, we need to pray for him. And um, maybe God will give us an opportunity to talk to him. So anyway, we go to practice. We come back. We get in the truck. And then he says, Daddy, I know he doesn't know God. Or, you know, listen, anyway, so I don't think he knows God. I'm like, well, you know, we, we'll pray for him. We're driving to practice again. And on the way, it's just he and I. And they're not even bringing this stuff up. Are y'all listening? We're just kind of reminding them in the morning. Apparently, this is on, theirs, on his mind throughout the day. So he says, hey, Daddy, um, I don't think he knows God. I said, well, let, why, don't, why don't you just ask him? So ask him if he knows Jesus. Are y'all with me, yeah? So anyway, we go to practice. Practice is about an hour long. And uh, I'm hanging out on the side talking with some other parents. And we've got a conversation going on. And really, kids, man, they're just out there playing ball. They're not really talking at all. And then uh, towards the end of the practice, you know, they, they get finished with practice. And I'm talking with a guy not paying attention. And all of a sudden, the coach comes back. And he's carrying in his arms Gavin. And so, you know, obviously, I haven't been paying attention, so I turn, and I'm like, oh, my word, what happened to Gavin, right? His leg must be broke, or he's acting like a sissy. What can I do <laughs> to help at this time? And so I go, and I say, hey, is he all right? I mean, what's wrong? And uh, he says, man, no, he's just fine. I just want you to know I absolutely love this kid. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's all right, you know. I <laughs> he said, I love this kid. I said, well, that's, that's, that's cool. He says, he just came up to me and asked me, do you know Jesus? Are y'all, are y'all listening? Because what happens with us, we're like, I can't go and ask them. People, I'm so scared. What will they think? What will they say? He's seven years old. He's like, do you know Jesus? After practice. Now, can I tell you, uh, he does. He goes to church. He came to our Christmas musical. But what's amazing about this is that he, he spoke with me yesterday. And actually told me that it's challenged him. <laughs> Don't you think about it? So here he is, just little Gavin, hanging out, walking around. He's like, hey, man, you know Jesus. <laughs> now, I know, <laughs> that's pretty awesome, you yeah. know. Um, so, so that's what we do. We're like, and I, I just say, I say, all right, kids, what do you need to remember? And I, I ask them on the way, what y'all need to remember today? And they're like, love God, love Jesus, and uh, share and they don't say the gospel, they say the euangelion, which is the Greek word for gospel. Are y'all with me? It's good news. So share euangelion. And uh, Marla, she can't say it, so she's like, she knows she's five. She's like, share the euangelion. I'm like, whatever. Share that. Share that. But that's it, man. Now listen, if they do those three things, wake up and obey. Wake up and obey. Well, kids, what can you do today? I can love God, I can love people, and I can share the gospel. Listen, what can you do? You can wake up and obey. Doesn't matter who you live with. Doesn't matter where you work. Doesn't matter what's happened in your life. You can love God. You can love people. And you can share the gospel. And if you do that, you will find great joy before God. Amen? So do it. I don't know if y'all have uh, discovered a theme in the preaching over these uh, four years. But it has something to do with sharing the gospel. I don't know what y'all putting your stuff up for. I ain't done preaching. I don't know what, I don't know what you're doing. It's like, well, I'm done with the filling the blanks. I get, no, I ain't done yet, brother. <laughs> Share the gospel. 
And uh, I, I guess until Jesus uh, calls me home, I'll keep going to the church and be like, y'all share the gospel. Share Jesus with people. Emmanuel, God with us, he came to save people from their sins. And if you love him, you'll talk about him. And if you love others, you'll talk to others about the one you love. Just obey God. Wake up and obey. Awesome principles from the life of Joseph. Let's bow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for our time together this morning. Ask in the name of Christ that you continue to grow us in our walk with you. Use us for your name's sake and glory. Your head bowed, your eyes closed. Uh, you may be here this morning and you're outside the faith. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, maybe you came uh, today because you were invited and you're like, well, I guess it's Christmas time. Maybe I'll go. And man, we're glad that you're here. I'm not knocking that you showed up uh, for a Christmas time. But I do want to challenge you. Listen, do you know Jesus? Not intellectually, all right, not in your mind, not do you know the story, not have you heard about him, not have you been, well, I've been in church all my life, yeah, man, I know Jesus, not, not that kind of do you know him, that's knowing about him, do you know him? There's a lot of people I know about that I don't know. I can tell you a whole lot about some sports figures, tell you a whole lot about Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth. I know a whole lot about them, but I don't really know either one of them. And Jesus came to save you from your sins. It's almost as if he's walked across the river of sin on dry ground. And he is now holding out a nail-scarred hand before you. And he's inviting you to grab it and walk back across on dry ground with him. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. Nobody comes to God the Father but through me. In other words, you're not getting across this river without me. So whether you're a child or a teenager, young adult or senior adult, I'm not asking, do you know about him? Do you know him? Has your life been changed? If not, right there where you are, man, just, just call out on the Lord. Just pray something like this. You'll be like, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. And so this morning I'm turning from my sin. And I'm placing my full trust in you. Thank you for Jesus who died for me. Thank you for sending him to pay the penalty of my sin on the cross. And thank you for the resurrection.